And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source of Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. My guest today, Maddie Hendricks, the former Blaine High School Bengals star hockey player, uh, star quarterback, catcher in baseball, played four years at St. Cloud State, where he was a captain his senior year and went on to play 607 NHL games, mostly with the Edmonton Oilers and the Washington Capitals, but he also played with the Wild, uh, the Nashville Predators, Colorado Avalanche, and I believe Winnipeg Jets. I believe I got them all. Uh, just a great, great uh, human being, great in the community, uh, gives back to the military. We'll talk a lot about that during the show, but we'll also talk about uh, some of the wild prospects from Matt Boldy and Kalen Addison to Marco Rossi, uh, Philip Lindbergh and Sam Henchkiss. Uh, we'll also, of course, talk to him about Philip Johansson and what the Wilds' plans are for him in the future. So just a really fun show on his transition uh, from being a hockey player to uh, being somebody that's in the front office with the Minnesota Wild over two regimes now. Uh, first with Paul Fenton, originally hired, now with Billy Guerin. And uh, again, being uh, Bomber's right-hand man with the Wild. Um, let's talk about the Wild the last couple of weeks. Man, they, they've just been sort of all over the map uh, in terms of their play. They have two big, big wins in Vegas. Y- you think they're coming home confident. Then they come home and play the Colorado Avalanche in the first of two games. First game didn't play very well, wound up losing five to four. Second game beats the crap out of them, eight to three. They tie a franchise record with eight goals for. So what do they do to encore that? They go to St. Louis and they have the worst loss in franchise history. 
nine to one, their most lopsided loss in franchise history, most goals against. Capo Kakinen broke Josh Harding's record by being in net for nine goals. He hasn't played since, obviously, because they've only played one game in the in the uh, game first game of this uh, four game homestand was postponed to May twelfth uh, against the St. Louis Blues. Um, and 18 goals in his last three starts, Capo Kakinen. So that is a big concern here because usually when a goalie's not playing well like this, you want to sort of get him back in, especially young goalie, and give him uh, a confidence boost again and, and let him rediscover his game. But Cam Talbot's playing well, and the team needs to get wins. So Cam will start against the Arizona Coyotes on a Wednesday afternoon, a change of time, 1 p.m. from 7 o'clock. And then they do have back-to-back games against the San Jose Sharks this weekend, so it would be a prime time to get Capo in. But if Talbot continues to play well, we've seen Talbot play back-to-back before, and the fact that Capo's game has just taken a turn for the worse, you, we do have to wonder uh, what Bill, what uh, Dean Everson's plans will be for the weekend games against San Jose. We'll see on that one. Um, in terms of the trade deadline, uh, quiet, uh, which was what was expected. Uh, Bill Garrian pretty much painted that picture before, that unless there was something special uh, that he can make a hockey trade for the future, that he probably wouldn't go after rentals. They did investigate Nick Foligno, but the second that became a first-round pick and two-fourths for Toronto, uh, Minnesota uh, very comfortably bowed out of that. And um, in terms of hockey trades, even that was very, very complicated because, again, they've got to re-sign Caprice Fiala and Erickson Eck this summer, probably Hartman, maybe re-sign Ian Cole. Well, they don't have a, a, a in, you know infinite uh, cap space. So if all of a sudden you make a hockey trade and you bring in a player with term and you have to protect that player in expansion, which one would think you would have to, it could further complicate things there. So, um, you know, I, I just just did not feel like a time that they were going to make a lot of noise at the trade deadline. And as we know by now, uh, that that certainly came into fruition. Uh, the game against Arizona, the Wild have to get going. Uh, they'll get the lines back together. Marcus Foligno will return for the first time since March 12th. He's missed 15 games with a broken ankle. He admitted that the other day. And um, we'll see if that now getting back with Erickson Eck and Greenway can get that line back together. Erickson Eck hasn't been very good lately. Greenway has been really poor lately. Um, so they've got to get those two going again and maybe getting back to their identity in a shutdown role without a, an offensive guy like Kaprizov on the right wing can maybe do that. It also will re- reunite Zuccarello and Kaprizov with Rask. They actually played that last game together in St. Louis, uh, a game the Wild played really well. I hadn't mentioned that. And then all of a sudden, the last minute, a fluky goal against uh, with an extra attacker like Mike Hoffman. Talbot's uh, rebound goes right to the one place it couldn't off Dumba and in ties the game. And then two seconds left uh, in overtime, Ryan O'Reilly scores an amazing backhanded wraparound goal to take a game where the Wild looked like they responded really well to the nine-one loss and just um, you know turned into a very very disappointing overtime loss where the Wild now enter this homestand having lost three of the last four games. So they're going to try to get on track. They have one game against Arizona, then two against San Jose, then they head out to Arizona for two, go to LA, and then on to San Jose, then they come back for for a homestand. And we're getting to the end here where the Wild are now jockeying for playoff position. Right now, they would play the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs. The Wild are 10-2-2 all-time against the Golden Knights, 4-1-1 against them this season. But obviously... The playoffs are a different animal. Without further ado, um, just a really good podcast, um, an informative podcast with Minnesota Wild Assistant Director of Player Development, Matt Hendricks. And as mentioned, uh, Matty Hendricks, the Assistant Player 
uh, director of player development for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Brad Bombardier's right-hand man, former Blaine Bengal, uh, star quarterback, star hockey player, star baseball player, uh, went on to play four years at St. Cloud State. And um, where do you want to start, Matt? Uh, I mean, first of all, this the, the new role, you're in your second season now or third? Second. Second season. Uh, second year, yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, you played till age 37. You played several hundred NHL games. What's that first year like when you realize, all right, you know what? I'm in a, I'm in an absolute different role in my life right now and a different role in hockey. Well, you know what? To be to be honest, it's it kind of feels like you're a rookie again. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to figure out how things work. You're trying to figure out what you need to do and and where where you need to be. You get so used to to life in the NHL, and and you take a job like this. Now you've got to create your own schedule, um, organize your own flights and rental cars and hotel rooms. It's kind of it's kind of eye opening, and it makes you makes you realize you don't know as much as you, you <laughs> thought you did about the game. <laughs> no, no uh, team services person to do your uh, flights. I hope that you're. No. I hope that uh, like a good sports writer sat down with you and told you about Marriott points and Delta points and all that type of stuff. Well, you know what, Brad Bombardier, I think he's in his eleventh year now, so <laughs> he's uh, he's got a real good feel on this job, and he's been tremendous and helpful. Me and obviously, Matt, I mean, this is not an easy time to, to be uh, traveling. Uh, you know, we're starting to get back to normal here, but you take on this role in the middle of a pandemic, essentially. How did that change what would traditionally be a role where you'd probably travel a ton to uh, to life in, in the times that we've been in the last year? You know, it really threw us for a loop. Obviously, you put the kids, the prospects first, and you and you really feel for them and what they've gone through this season in terms of their development and all the question marks that that were they're kind of asking and looking at moving into the season. You know, for Bomber and I, we are we're we'll just take last season for example. You're on the road a lot. You know, it's kind of a weekend a weekend job in the sense that. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're gone and, and you're out either seeing your college prospects, let's say at Boston College, or you're up in Moncton watching Alex Kovanoff play, or you're out on the West Coast watching Adam Beckman play in Spokane. You know, you're 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 moving around and trying to and trying to get your feelers on these kids about mm-hmm. about once or twice a month. And now the way things have gone, it's it's been a lot different. We we're Bomber and I were able to see Sammy Henches at St. Cloud, Nick Sweeney up at Duluth, and then obviously spend a, a lot of our time with uh, the Iowa Wild and American League, where the year before we, you know, I would probably get with them about once a month, you know, watch them from afar on, on video and such, but only be on the ice with them about once, maybe twice a month. So it's been a lot different this season, that's for sure. Do you, um, the, like, how often do you talk to usually prospects? I mean, is, is it constantly checking in with them? Like, what, what is the process? We try to have, you know, like a one-week kind of check-in in the sense that, that we understand what they're going through. We try to let them tell us how they think they're playing, how their game's going, how, uh, how their life is in terms of, of, you know, the college kids with school and such and how they're doing there. And we just want to know, you know, as much information as we can without prying too much and, and kind of driving them crazy. But, you know, <laughs> we want to know how they think they're doing, how they're playing, how their confidence level is. And obviously injuries are a big one too. We need to, we need to be aware of, of those as well. So 
we try to be in touch, you know, usually it's text messages once a week or so. And then we get on the phone with them, you know, every two weeks, at least once a month for sure. And how, how do you divvy up the prospects or do you divvy up the prospects? I mean, do you take the forwards, he takes the defenseman or how does that work? Well, we kind of thought of that, of maybe trying to do it that way, but it doesn't work out that well because there's obviously we don't have as many defensemen mm-hmm. as we do forwards. So, but we do kind of, we have our priority guys. You know, I have a group of players that I, I deal with a lot and Bomber has, you know, his group of players that he deals with a lot, but there is also still a lot of crossover. You know, if let's say Matt Boldy was on Bomber's list of guys that he would talk to weekly or every other week, that doesn't mean I can't contact Matt and talk to him about the right. game and just, you know, shoot the breeze with him, see how he's doing. Uh, Philip Lindbergh, uh, uh, UMass goalie, Beats your Huskies in the in the uh, NCAA yeah, championship. How <laughs> conflicted were you there to talk to Matt to well, Philip afterwards and congratulate him? Well, you know what, I, I'm just happy for for him and, and what a tremendous season he had. Obviously, my Huskies, Sammy Henches, <laughs> I feel I feel terrible for them. And but at the end of the day, you know, we had we had three prospects prospects in the in the final four teams, and how amazing is that? Yep. It really is. a You, you got to give you know, the scouts, the amateur guys, tons of credit for finding these high character players. And, you know, to, to kind of watch from afar, you're obviously cheering on the Huskies a bit. I'm, I can't lie to you there. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what a great experience for, for our guys. Um, uh, Billy Guerin said on the on the conference call a couple of days ago, the Zoom that that you and Bomber were sort of taking the lead and talking to Henchkiss and and uh, Lindbergh about their futures. Uh, where do you, do you expect them to go back to school, or is it uh, potentially at least one, one of them maybe turning pro? Well, and that's that's still up for debate right mm-hmm. now. The conversations are still on; they're still ongoing, and and you know you got to give these players the proper amount of time to, to sit back and think and kind of reflect on their year and on their development and see where they're at. So as far as I want to go on this podcast, route, <laughs> I'll just leave it there. But we are we are constantly in, in discussions with these guys right now. Uh, Wild fans, just because these locals see, see a lot of Sammy Henchkiss, uh, Matt, but they don't probably know a ton about Philip Lindbergh. What type of goaltender is he? Well, you know, he, he's not the tallest of goalies at six foot one, but what we like about him is he's got a competitiveness and character to his game where he, he, he puts kind of pressure on him. He wants to be the number one guy and he, he competes in battles and practices and, and he kind of took a big step for UMass this season. He had a little bit of an injury earlier in the season, but when he came back, he came back strong and he did what he set out to do this year. And that was to take the net at, at UMass. So, Huge credit to him there in, in, in accomplishing that goal. And moving forward, obviously, I don't know a ton about the goaltending position, <laughs> but we fall back on our goalie coaches a lot. And there are going to be some small tweaks to his game if he does decide to turn professional. But, you know, things that that we're confident that he'll be able to adjust to and, and do just fine with. Yeah, with, with a player like him, I mean, do, do you and Bomber kind of take the lead there or do you even allow to... to Guys like Richard Bachman, who's the goalie coach in Iowa, or even Freddie Shabbat up here in Minnesota, do they pay attention to those guys as well? Or is it is that pretty much until they turn pro, that's when they'll get their hands on them? No, no. we Our, our goaltending coaches, you know, especially with Iowa, Freddie Shabbat would have done it before, mm-hmm. but now doesn't spend quite as much time. 
in with our prospects as he would have when he was with Iowa. So Richard Bachman is keeping an eye on on our guys quite a bit. They're in he's in conversation with Philly Lindbergh, but we really do take the stance where we don't want to go in and, and disrupt what a player or a prospect is going through with this current coaching staff. You know, we, we're not going to go in and say, well, you should be doing this when another coach may be saying, no, we want you doing this. So we try to kind of watch from afar and, and get knowledge on the player, get knowledge on the way he plays and performs every night. But at the same time, just kind of be a sounding board for him. If he needs to talk or he wants to talk about that kind of stuff, his details in his game, Bachman would be the guy that would talk about that. I want to talk to you about a lot about some of the other prospects as well, but let's talk about uh, about your life and early in your career, uh, Matty. I, I got to do, uh, when you played for the Wild, a, a really cool feature about your upbringing uh, w- with your parents, uh, uh, including your doppelganger, your dad, uh, Doug. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I remember I was interviewing them beside, behind section like 120 in the middle of the, either before the game or the first intermission of a game, and I, I just could not believe how much your father looked like you, or you look like your father is yeah. probably the better way to say it. Um, but it was it was pretty interesting talking to him because you, you right away see where you became Matty Hendricks, the discipline of your dad, a former Marine, uh, the nurturing of your mom. Um, just, I mean, it, it just seemed like two great, great people. Well, you know what? I am not much different than any other hockey player. I think most of us give a lot of credit, or all, not all the credit to our parents and the sacrifices that they made to, to allow us to play hockey and out of town tournaments. And let's not forget about the dollar amount that goes on hockey these days. So very fortunate to have my mom and dad in my corner and, and backing me all the way through my career. But yeah, aside from the sport, you, you learn a lot. And for me, the discipline from my father was very important. And obviously you mentioned the, the loving, nurturing mom I had. So. I had two great people in my corner, Roos, and, and very thankful and very thankful they're still, you know, around and, and part of helping now raise grandchildren. So it's right. exciting. Yep. And you have two uh, two twins, right? Yeah. Boy, girl, twins, Gunner and Lennon, and they are in third grade. So wow. it's an exciting time. We just had our first, my son had his first outdoor lacrosse practice yesterday in the snowstorm. So <laughs> He still had fun, so I think uh, I think that's a good sign. So is he gonna? Is he uh, pretty much taking after you in terms of the multiple sports? Yeah, he's uh, he plays hockey obviously in the winter. He plays lacrosse now. Um, he's on a fishing team in the summer months. So we're just trying to keep him as busy as we can. And he loves football in the fall. I, I think football is his passion right now. And that is, I mean, you were, again, a, a, a quarterback in, in uh, high school, a catcher in baseball, if I remember correctly. Obviously, yep. uh, a, a hockey player. Um, fishing is also one of your biggest passions, right? Yeah, I love fishing. So I get to I get to guide the boat with these some of these kids in the summer. And I tell uh, it's a lot of fun. You've got kids that really know what they're doing with the, with the rod in their hand. And then you've got some first timers that when they catch a big fish for the first time, like a big, let's say a largemouth bass, you can't, you can't put a price on the smile on their face. So we, we really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you haven't read the story that I wrote on Matt Hendricks, um, 
two or three years ago now. I'm trying to see the date. It would have been uh, November 13th, 2018. I, I highly recommend Googling it or, or going to our site and looking for it. And I believe it's unlocked. So you don't even have to be a subscriber to The Athletic to read it. But um, it, it's about your, your uh, you know, it's about your life and your career, but it's also about um, your upbringing and your, the way that you give back to the military. And one of my favorite parts of the story was just what you did for those two boys um, that, that you took out. I think it was you and Zach Bogosian, if I'm not correctly, if I'm not mistaken, brought yep. two boys yep. out that were the kids of a gold star dad. Um, and it was, I mean, it was honestly, I talked to um, uh, their mom and how appreciative she was of the way that you treated her kids and getting them out on a lake and, and fishing. Can you tell people about that story? Yeah, it was, it was outstanding. Actually we had, um, so first of all, I get a little background on it. Shane Hudella out of Hastings, Minnesota is a retired army national guard spent a few, you know, had a few stints, um, in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, this guy has been just tremendous for all sports, but really, really has been dug deep in, in hockey. Brent Burns and Shane became really good friends when Burnsy was playing for the wild and they kind of started up this military charity, you know, to help kids with military parents. And it, it, it used to be called Defending the Blue Line. And now it's changed names to the United Heroes League because of getting other sports involved. So he's been just awesome, Bruce, with helping, you know, players in all sports get out and kind of use their their platform to help help these kids. So we had a, a couple of years ago, we had a, a golf tournament and one of the auction items was, you know, a fishing trip with Bogosian and myself. And, uh, this father got up and, and, you know, he put quite a quite a bit of money down on it. He won the auction and he went over and, and gifted it to this mother and, and her, and her kids. And we ended up bringing them out on Lake Minnetonka for the day. And actually it, it turned out to be a great fishing day too. I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> you know, you get adults in the boat. Sometimes you just fill the cooler and let them have fun, but <laughs> you get kids in the boat, you, you're, <laughs> the pressure's on to catch fish. So. But it ended up being a great experience for Zach and I, and uh, obviously, I think the kids had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a. It, 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 it was just one. Yeah. Of, it's just one of those one of the small things that that Shane and, and the United Heroes League have, have done, and it's been really rewarding. Yeah, I know it was uh, really rewarding for the for the kids as well. Drake and Garrett were their names. Siobhan's the mom. Um, you know, their their late father uh, was Ben. And, um, yep. and if I could say, because I did put in the story, so I don't think it's a secret, but the, the father that, uh, auction, that picked up this auction, uh, as a yep. gift was Tim Paling, uh, the father of Correct. Ryan, Jack and Nick Paling. And it was just an incredible thing, uh, that they did. And I, I remember I talked to, to, um, I, I believe I talked to Tim for this story as well, but it's just, I, I don't know. It's one of the most touching stories, just talking to Siobhan and how appreciative she was for two, for her two boys that really absolutely needed something like this. And, and just having, uh, you know, mentors like you on the boat, I think really made their day. So uh, I highly recommend people reading it. Um, another really cool part of the story uh, it was in 2012, you actually were part of the USO tour that went over to the Middle East. And I think that was through the United Heroes League as well. How were rewarding was that experience and and tell everybody about just um all the stuff that you had to do to just get over there oh my gosh yeah that was that was awesome obviously things weren't going great here in, in the states in terms of hockey the nhl we were right you know locked out and we weren't playing and 
Shane Hudella got the opportunity um, from the USO uh, to go on the chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff's holiday tour. So then it was General Martin Dempsey. So his wife kind of got to go through this giant stack of charities and pick a charity that deserved to go on this trip. And she picked Shane and Defending the Blue Line, and Shane invited me to go along with them. And you fly over on, I believe they what they call it, is Air Force yep. Two. So and it, you're surrounded by Navy SEALs and Army Rangers and just some of the coolest, highest character people that, you know, I've ever met. And to go over and spend, I think we were there eight or nine days, um, traveled around from where I'm trying to think of everywhere we were. We were in spots all over in Afghanistan. We were um, in Bagram at an Air Force base there. That was a cool experience. Um we were, we landed, I got to land on an aircraft carrier and take off from an aircraft carrier. That was quite an experience. Um, it was just, it was just an amazing, amazing time for, for us and rewarding and being able to talk to the troops and thank them face to face and shake their hand. It, I, I'm very, just very thankful for the opportunity to build. Yeah, that. it was uh, Bahrain and then uh, Kyrgyzstan. Uh, which is the northern yeah, northern entry point of Afghanistan. Yep, that's right. Yep, yeah, and then Bagram, Kandahar, um, and then you went to Germany on the way home. And I don't know if I ever told you, but so yep. I tried to get in touch with General Dempsey for the story, and um, he actually called me, but it was after the story ran. I remember I picked. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember pick, I picked up the phone once, and it was an assistant or secretary, and it was it was coming. I mean, I, essentially from the Pentagon, and I'm just like. Uh, I thought it was a joke at first, and then I was like super nervous to tell General Dempsey, "Well, like you're not going to believe this uh, story." Ran oh. two weeks ago, <laughs> you know. So it was oh. like one of those things where it's just like, uh, "Sorry, I, I've already written the story, but man, it is an honor to talk to you." So it's just oh, what a cool, cool guy he is. Yeah, talk about leadership. And that was uh, it was so fun to be able to sit and talk to him and listen to him, and what a just a. Yeah, cool experience. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I was doing a, a feature on Ryan Suter's thousandth game once, and uh, phone rings one day, and it's like, uh, and uh, I'm like, uh, hello, and he's like, Mike, and I'm like, yeah, he goes, uh, this is Governor Walker, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't expect it. Like, I, I'm like, so Scott Walker, well, the governor's mansion is Ryan Suter's next door neighbor in Wisconsin. Okay. So I, and they became really good friends, Governor Walker, and so. I call Governor Walker for the story. I, le I leave basically a message for him to call me. And it's like a week and a half before the gubernatorial election in Wisconsin. I'm like, well, there's no way he's going to call me. And like a week right. late, like I'm telling you, we're talking like four days before the election that he lost, by the way. Uh, he calls me up for this Ryan Souter story. And I just could not believe that that the governor of Wisconsin, four days before his essentially career was on the line, was on the phone with me. It was just hilarious. So, See, Ruth, that's just a great example. People just love to talk. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was really cool. Uh, and actually, right. you know what? It's funny that you said that, Matt, because that's what Governor Walker said to me at the time. He goes, it is just refreshing not to talk politics right now so <laughs> i just remember i'm sitting in my condo uh like about to go outside on the phone with governor wisconsin wisconsin i'm just like this is crazy and talking in hockey with the governor so just it right. was just funny oh that's great yeah that's cool that's a good story um matt let's uh let's uh talk a little bit more about uh well first of all your parents actually uh, you said that when they went down to arizona but then they actually got to see you at an iowa wild game a couple weeks ago 
Yeah, they they were traveling back, driving back uh, north to Minnesota, and you know I think the bad weather might have been coming here, so they wanted to spend one more day in the warmth of Iowa. So they swung into <laughs> into Des Moines last Friday to watch a game, and you know it was great to see them. It was their first hockey game in obviously a while due due to the pandemic, so they were happy. They got to see a good game, and you know I got to talk to them just briefly after, so a lot of fun. And they got to see Matt Boldy's first professional goal. What did they think of that? Yes. You know what? And I told my dad, I said, keep an eye on number 12 tonight. It's his first game. And he, he showed up and delivered. It was, it was good. You know, Matt Boldy, he, we can start with him too, if you want. Yeah. He had a, you know, a, a really good two-year career at, at Boston College. Um, really, really came out of a shell um, at the World Juniors this year. Man, was he a tremendous player for the U.S. team. And then uh, went back to Boston College, finished the season strong and and came into came into Iowa and, and performed right away. So, Matty Matt's a very very smart player. You know, I, his hockey IQ is almost off the charts. Um, tremendous skill, big big player. Um, he's working on the pace of his game right now in terms of trying to play at a faster pace. And I think you see it. You know, I think you saw it when he went from college to the World Juniors. His pace climbed up. And then it might have went back down to the level he was playing at. And now he steps into the American Hockey League and his pace climbed up again. So I think he, he's, he's a player that plays at the pace that he needs to play at to, be, to find success and, and still maintain that high skill level that he has. Do you have to, uh, you know, with somebody like him that that did burn the first year, that knows that there's always a chance that he could be called up either during the regular season or playoffs, do you have to talk to somebody like that to just say, look, uh, keep your eye on the ball, uh, you, you know, take take advantage of Iowa, prove you're a professional and let the rest take care of itself. If you deserve to get up there, you'll get up there, but otherwise, you know, focus on Des Moines. Right. You know, you know what? That's the message from Bomber and I and, you know, I think from the entire organization. But Matt is, uh, he's that type of high character kid where you're almost saying it to say it, but mm-hmm. he knows it. You don't really need to tell him, but you're kind of reiterating the fact he, he, he's driven. You know, he's a player that you don't really need to motivate that much. He's a driven individual that has that fire inside him that, that's pushing him to get to the top. And I think that's why you, we've seen this, you know, big jump just in the last year of his game is, you know, he wants to be here. He wants mm-hmm. to be, you know, playing in the National Hockey League and being a contributor every night. So, um, he, but you're right. He, he's down there to earn it and, and to pay the price and to show that he belongs at the next level, which is the way, you know, that Billy Guerin is, that's the direction we're going in as an organization. And, I'm I, I'm in on that 100. Yeah, um, Callan Addison is somebody that uh, Wild fans are, are super excited about having a great year in Iowa. Uh, a great trade by by Billy Guerin uh, to get a first round pick and Kalen Addison in the Jason Zucker trade. Um, what's his progression like? And you know, again, I think we all forget how young he is. Everybody expects him to be in the NHL right now. I mean, he, he he's somebody that has to be patient as well. Well, he does, and he does have that high, high level of skill. Um, he, he, he distributes the puck well. He's got a good stick. He's working on continually to work on his defensive game. And what I really like about him is he has that snot and that grit. Even though he's not a six-foot-three defender, he plays with an edge every, every night. And, you know, the opposing team yeah. doesn't like playing against him. He gets under their skin. We've seen it time and time again here this season in the American League. 
he's got a bright future. He's a he's a very promising prospect for us. Yeah, the uh, I watched the highlights the other night. It looked like he got just attacked in the corner at one point in that game. I don't know what he was doing before, but <laughs> man, he was. Uh, it looked like uh, looked like uh, he was just like almost taken and driven to the ice. Yeah, yeah. He, he what <laughs> when you look at it, he doesn't like to give much ice up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's got a, a very active stick. He he gets he's engaged in the defensive zone and. You know, he's, he's really, when you really notice him is when he's, when he's skating, whether he's skating with the puck or jumping in the rush, he scored a nice goal the other night against Chicago. Matt Boldy found him late and late in the play on a, on a kind of a, a late three on two. And then when he's on the power play, he just has just really good abilities at distributing and, and finding those open seams. He found Matt Boldy late in the game on Saturday for, for, I think, it wasn't the tying goal, but it was in the last minute of the game with just a tremendous scene pass when we were, we were up six on four. So he's a, he, he's a good player and, and a bright future. Uh, Connor Durer is somebody that looks like he's having a great year down there. Connor, yeah. Connor came out of the gates flying, took a, you know, kind of flatlined a little bit, but now he's right back to where he was. And, you know, I kind of look at, at Connor as, as a multi tool guy. He's plays in all situations down there. He's slowly becoming one of our, our best centerman, one of our best penalty killers. Obviously, he has skill and, and does well on the power play. But his five-on-five five play, what I've liked about him this year, still being a young player, he he he's now playing against the other team's best on a nightly basis. system. We're we're hoping for really good things from him, and again, a high character kid that's that's driven to, to succeed. Um, Marco Rossi, uh, just how how. You know, how concerning was that whole experience back in January? Obviously, we know what uh, now with the results of, of why he couldn't play this year, complications from COVID-19. Uh, sounds like he's doing much, much, much better. I don't know how much you're in touch with him. But, um, you know, first of all, when this first happened in, in early January, I mean, what was the concern level for somebody like you uh, that deals with, with this kid on, an, on a, you know, so- somewhat regular basis? Yeah, well, obviously, your your number one concern is is the person before the player. Um, kid's been, you know, he's over in a different country now, and his first time down in Minnesota. You worry about, you know, yeah. what is you, the communication between his parents and him, and what's going on there. But uh, I spoke with Marco a week ago, and and he is doing well. Um, I think. He's confident now in the process and the way things are going. But at the end of the day, it was a scary thing. And the question marks, right, that have been involved with this entire process, whether, you know, just just say in general with COVID-19 and, and nobody knows the answers. So I think we're starting to find more out and, and we're looking for big things for Marco. I think the disappointing, the number one is that he's not playing hockey yeah. this season and, and he's losing a year of development and that's been hard on him. But. We know Marco, and, and again, I, I feel like I'm using the word character a lot right now, but he's one of those kids that if it was someone else, you may be more worried. But with Marco, he's going to he's gonna work his way back to being in top form in es- no time. Especially because, I mean, I'm sure you've seen on social media his workout routines. I mean, this is a gym rat. This is somebody that takes incredible uh, care of his body and things like that. So you just know that he's going to put him a really good summer now that he's able to start training again lightly. Um, you mentioned his development. I mean, how big of a concern is that? And should Wild fans now realize that they better be patient? I mean, this is somebody that's probably going to need time in Iowa now to just play some hockey come fall. 
Oh, for sure. I don't think anyone wants to rush him, you know, after what he's gone through this season by any means. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, you know, not rush anyone. That's kind of our goal. Everyone has a development path. We're trying to, you know, help them reach it as quick as they can. But at the end of the day, we're not going to put somebody in a position where they're not going to succeed. So with Marco not playing this year, obviously, we're we're in our medical staffs in close contact with the medical staff back home for him right now. And we're taking it step by step. And, and when it's time for him to play in the National Hockey League, it'll be time. And the Wild fans will have something to cheer for, for sure. You know, Matt, you were somebody that, that dealt with a, with a lot of medical issues in your career. I mean, there were times I looked at you at the end there in the Minnesota locker room, and it looked like you were put together with duct tape. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, mean, I think I was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, so you've dealt with this type of adversity. How, how much can that, you know, those type of stories about your career and what you had to uh, endure health-wise, you know, help a kid? I mean, obviously, Marco's dealing with a little, uh, di- very different issue in terms of, you know, internal organ here and things like that but how much does the adversity that you um faced help you relate to some of these kids that are dealing with the stress at 19 years old like marco rossi well and you know it goes back to that old saying Bruce, where you can only con- c- control what you can control mm-hmm. and i think that's the message here too you've got to be patient but i always remember over my career when i think back and you know you can only can it kind of gives you a breath of fresh air a sense of relief. Okay. I can't control this right now. And you can walk away from the rink that day feeling a little bit better about what's, you know, what your current situation is. And I don't think Marco's any different. What I really love about this player is that you, during his time in Ottawa and you watch him on the ice. And then like you mentioned those workout videos, he's just a player that wants to be the best he can be. And when the timing's right, he's going to become that player. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back here on Straight from the Source, Michael Russo, Matt Hendricks is my guest. Uh, and as always, you can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash straight from the source for a discount. Not only do we have articles throughout the site, just tons and tons and tons of hockey, but every single sport, but also podcasts. Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun just finished their 2021 NHL trade deadline recap on two-man adva- advantage um, on the addition of the athletic hockey show that's on today as well. Craig Custance welcomes ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, Emily Kaplan, and at The Athletic. Down with decision this week on the full 60 and Chris Johnston from Sportsnet joined Jonas Siegel and James Myrtle on the Leaf Report. Um, uh, Maddie, uh, let's uh, if, if you can I ask you about Philip Johansson? Actually, I brought him up before the break. I mean, he's somebody that looks like he's having a really good year uh, in in Sweden as well. Um, obviously, third year since he's been drafted. Um, do, do you talk to him a lot? And is he somebody that, that we could see at some point you guys bring over here? Well, Bomber talks to him quite a bit. Obviously, playing in Trollunda this season, he did have he did have a nice year, and we're happy with his development and the path that he's on. You, know, you got to see a little bit more offense from Phillips this season, mm-hmm. which was exciting. Um, they're currently battling in a in a playoff series with Rogel right now, and I think they're I think they lost yesterday, so they're down three nothing. So hopefully, they can bounce back. But in terms of his development, we're in discussions right now with what with what we want to do moving forward. 
I can't really say a mm-hmm. lot more than that. Um, but again, as a young defender, these guys take time and, and we think he's, he's, he's getting what he needs right now in playing in Sweden. He seems like a tremendous kid, Matt. Uh, you know, I got to meet him in Iowa two years ago when he came here for a week. Uh, to work out with Tim Army during the playoffs. Uh, Army bag skated him every single day. I think there was probably some points where Javillip's like, oh, why did I come over here again? Um, right. But he just seems like he seems like a great kid. He seems he's got his head on his shoulder. Social media-wise, I see that he always pays attention to everything that's going on with the Wild. Um, you know, how much do you root for a guy like this? And also hope that he doesn't feel the pressure just being that first round pick and that he's just got to realize, you know what, I just got to be the hockey player I am and not worry about what the expectations are from some people based on where I was drafted. Well, and, and you know what, it's a good point that you bring up because I think we're seeing him kind of come out of that now. And I think that's why he's finding a little bit more success on the ice. Like any young guy, the pressure does add up, you know, and, and for Philip, it's no different. And it, it is about kind of blocking the stuff that you can't control again and, and worrying about your, your own game and the job that you have at hand. And, and for him, he, he, he's kind of coming out of that curve now and coming up, I guess, would be to the top of that where he's seeing down the other side of it. And, OK, I'm just going to worry about myself, about my own game, and I'm going to become the player that I'm going to become over time. Uh, Brennan Manel, uh, somebody that had a really good year over in Russia. I think that the Wild were not exactly, well, I know that Garen was not exactly thrilled that he decided to go over Russia and not playing in Iowa this year, or frankly, he could be in Minnesota based on the taxi squad. Um, what, what is his future like? And, and do you see your, you know, as an organization that you're, you, that you will resign him this summer? Well, I talked to Brennan quite a bit during the season, um, watched a lot of his games and he did. He had a great season over in, in, in Minsk in the KHL. And obviously we would love to have him playing in Iowa and being part of our team down there. He's a, he's a very good defender who I think anticipates extremely well. And let's be honest, we all love guys that can produce points. So to, to, to lose him was, was difficult. Obviously we hope we can get him back within the organization and have him playing, playing for us, but time will tell there. Those discussions are also ongoing. Yep, I did a, a big story on Brennan back in February that if people didn't read, they can they could uh, read that and and also hear his side of the story of why he did that and and you know totally you know his from his standpoint it made sense um, and hopefully he has a future here. But you know sometimes Matt, you know you, you know you're a great person to have in this role too because you're, you're proof positive that you could play a long time in the minors, develop there, and then have a good successful NHL career. Do, do you think sometimes these kids nowadays get to patient and just say, you know what, if I'm not going to be in Minnesota right away, I'm going somewhere else. I mean, you know, well, sometimes- and I do think that's true. I think, you know, even for me, looking back, you, when you're around your peers, it's a measuring stick. And when you see other guys that you either played against or play with, played with at college, played with in the minors, and they're having successful NHL careers, and you're not, you, you, you kind of, you get, you're frustrated, you're upset, you, you, feel you you deserve more and that's just that's just human nature i think but at the end of the day for me there was some impatient times and periods over my career where i wanted to be in the nhl obviously earlier than i did but you know i think it's your surrounding staff your your wife your your significant other your parents your your agent that kind of help keep you and steer you on that path. And then, you know, that's the great thing about the development role that hasn't been around that long is 
you know, that's kind of, we're kind of in their corner with them now and, and helping them battle those, those thoughts and those feelings. And, uh, yeah, Maddie Hendricks played, uh, 247 AHL games, I believe over six years, uh, yeah. went to the Calder cup final. Was Bruce your coach then, or was Bob Woods? Bruce was the coach. Yep. <laughs> nice. Tell us about that. Oh. You got to play with him. Multi- so you were lucky enough to play Bruce with Hershey Bears, the Washington Capitals, and the Minnesota Wild. Amazing. Right. Uh, my one of my favorite Bruce stories was the first time I met him. They had they had signed me on an American League only deal. Brian McClellan was the assistant GM then, and he signed me to an American League deal. This was the year at they had won. Hershey had won the Calder Cup the year before. So I, I left, uh, for Derek England and I jumped in a, in a car where we were in, we were working hockey schools and Freeman houses in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We jumped in the car and we drove out to Hershey to kind of get into our apartments and stuff while the rest of the players were, were in Washington for main camp. So we were there about, I don't know, maybe a week and a couple guys started trickling down, guys that got sent down. Bruce decided he was going to have a little bit of a barbecue for the guys in town. I remember walking up to the front door and knocking and he opens the door, that big smile on his face and he introduces himself. He says, you're a centerman, right? And I said, well, I haven't played center in four years. He said, well, you're playing center this year. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of my introduction to him. And, you know, he was great for me though, because he gave me an opportunity, you know, one I'd been looking for my previous take Milwaukee out of the equation. um, When I was in Lowell and when I was in Rochester, they were dual affiliates and I didn't get uh, the benefit of the doubt a lot of nights. And when I got to Hershey, it was just Washington and and Bruce gave me an opportunity to try and prove myself. And, and it kind of catapulted my career going forward. So a lot of thanks to Bruce there in Hershey and darn it. We couldn't win that, that Calder cup there. A year, but Carey Price came out a junior and went into Hamilton and was yeah was pretty darn good. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable career. Um, Bruce, uh, I mean, as a coach, I mean, it, it, he he seems like a cartoon character at times. I mean, as a coach, uh, you know, how how good is he? Well, I think his record kind of answers that question for you. But what I what I learned to love about Bruce as a coach is he got the best out of his players every night, no matter who you were playing. Whether they were, you know, better than your team or not as good as your team, he always made it feel like there's an opportunity you can get beat tonight. So you better be ready. And you better be prepared. And, mm-hmm. You know, for me, just individually learning that way, it, it helped me be more consistent, which was something I struggled with as a young guy. A uh, question from Hideki uh, asks, uh, what is the best success story right now among the prospects that you've worked with, guys who might not, you might have not expected to become as good as they are that are really uh, thriving? Oh man, that's a that's a really good question. That's a tough question. Um, mm. I really like Philip Lindbergh's story um, this year and what he did. And you look at his numbers; they're just off the charts good. And then he he takes the net this season, goes on and wins the championship. Um, but then again, let's not forget about our first rounder in Matt Boldy in the year he had. Obviously, winning uh, World Juniors for Team USA—that's pretty exciting. So. Yeah, we've got a lot of good prospects, so and a lot of great players. Um, looking at my list, you know, look at Adam Beckman was able to do yeah. coming down to the American Hockey League this year and did great for us back in Spokane now. Um, Ryan O'Rourke, second rounder for us this year, 18 year old kid who's surviving, not only surviving, I shouldn't say that he's, he's playing well 
in the American Hockey League right now as an 18-year-old, which is amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking for big things from him too. And our pool looks great. I, I like I like where our guys are at right now and, and, and the, the trends and, and the direction that they're going in. By the way, what's the latest with uh, Who's Nadina if your second round pick that uh, got hurt? Uh, you know, really just unfortunate injury that happened in a, in a tournament that he was going to be the number yeah. one center for Russia. Right. And that really unfortunate. We really like his game. Um, I loved him in the World Juniors. Uh, he kind of... He kind of reminds me of of like a of a defensive juggernaut, but then he has opportunities on the power play and he scores big goals for him. So mm-hmm. he's very smart, very well positioned. Terrible injury for him, and he's going through that rehab process now. And you know, you're looking for big things coming from him next season. Right. Uh, Tim asks, uh, can you let him know that they named the, which you probably know, that they named the rinks and happy acres in Blaine after his youth coach, Mike Booth, who was to honor him uh, for his <laughs> retirement after yes. 40 years for the city. Uh, Mike Booth, uh, big instrumental in your career? Very big. And my parents actually informed me of that information as well. So Mike Booth, his son Jordan and I played played growing up together. Jordan was a goaltender and, and Mike actually coached coached me on some triple a teams uh the minnesota junior north stars and we played some tournaments here locally but the big tournament every summer was in was in ottawa so i got to i got to go up there and really kind of learn what hockey was like <laughs> being a, <laughs> a smaller kid from minnesota it's nothing compared to to the uh, competition you're seeing in those big summer tournaments so uh really happy for mike and and he he helped me a lot along along the way especially in those early years uh, Bill asked, Damien Giroux is off to a great start in Iowa. What's the scouting report on him and what does he bring to the table? Oh, Damien, what a what a great, great piece that we that we added there in Iowa. He's he says he's a spark plug. He plays with a ton of energy. Um, just loves going to the rink every day, whether it's a game day, a practice day. He's there to get better. He's got a smile on his face. Um, he started the season out at center. He's currently been moved over to the wing. He's playing with uh, Connor Dewar in the middle and Mitchell Chafee on the right side. And I do foresee uh, Damien moving back to center at some point in time. I think he's a natural center, but that line's been playing so well, you, it's kind of hard to, to, to move him around right now. So Damien is doing well. He's finding the net now. He's getting some some offensive numbers. And, but let's not forget, he, he's a great penalty killer as well and understands the game uh, in the D zone. So. Good prospect for us. Good kid, though. Really, he, he's a, a lot of fun to talk to. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
I got about four more questions for you. Uh, here's a really good one. Uh, Jesse goes, uh, you per- you persevered at every level, Matt. Uh, people told you no, and you made it all the way to the big show. Um, how do you keep the fire burning day to day, month to month, year after year? And he says, also, thanks for the hockey sticks. One time I was playing street hockey outside. You're the best. Oh, cool story. Uh, um, Perseverance-wise, well, I, I guess I could share a little story. So that year after I played in Hershey with Bruce, I, you know, I had a, I had a good season. I had a tough back injury at one point, so I missed some games. But I had a good year, and then I had a, I had a really good playoffs, and and I started getting offers from Europe, where the money was was, well, I'll just say it was astronomical in terms of what I was making playing in North America. And my wife and I um, were talking about it. And what do you think? You think we should go? Or you think we shouldn't? She said. The question was, did I don't, she said, ask yourself, did you ever dream of playing in Europe? And I obviously never thought of it that way. And Mm. the answer was definitely no. And she said, well, then why go? And it, you know, it kept me here. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously the rest is, is history, but you know, I think every kid has a dream and if if the opportunities align and the chances everything works out, you're going to get your chance and it's up to you to, to make it count. Don't that's have any a, regrets. That's a great story. Uh, ben asks, uh, did you hate playing against anyone? Oh, man. There were definitely a few that I didn't love. Um, Brad Marchant <laughs> and I had a lot of battles in, in when he was in Boston and I was in Washington. Um, David Perron is another one that used to get under my skin quite a bit. Um, Alex Burroughs. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of the guys that played like me were the guys that I didn't necessarily like playing <laughs> against. But now that I'm older and retired and way, way smarter, Roos, <laughs> I got to tell you, I'd probably love having all those guys on my team. Yeah. Who is one guy? I mean, you were a tough cookie, Matt. Uh, you, you, mm-hmm. you got into some, bro- some brouhaha's. Uh, who's the toughest fighter that you face? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. I don't always remember the toughest ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just kidding. All jokes aside. <laughs> um, Matt Carker had my number one when he was in playing in the minors in Wilkes-Barre and I was in Hershey. He was, I think I bit off more than I could chew there. Well, there's a, there's a number of them for sure. Some I tried to avoid some, you know, there's not much he could do, but you know, big Luch used to, he used to strike some fear in me when he was in Boston um, Zach Cassian was another squirrely guy. He was a big, you know, threw a lot of lefts and I never had a, I never had, you know, good luck with, with straight lefties. Wayne Simmons, you know, did a number on my nose one year when I was in Colorado <laughs> and he was still with LA. So I didn't, I didn't win them all. I'll tell you that much. Um, two more questions. Uh, rink guy, Rob Dolan asks, um, did you know you wanted to keep working in hockey and did you, did you want to work in player development department or was there another area that you, uh, that you wanted to get into? And, it, you know, what do you aspire? Do you, do you want to continue in this role or would you like to continue to work your way up in the hockey ops uh, department? Well, that's a good question. And, you know, I, as I got further along in my career, I, you know, I realized that, you know, I, I enjoyed working with the young guys, you know, when, when I was still yeah. a player, I enjoyed being, because they're, you know, you don't really, you don't really have a voice as a young guy. You come in, you try to mind your P's and Q's, you know, not be heard, be seen type of thing. And, you know, for me, I, I found that the most successful teams I played on are when those players felt a little bit more comfortable and felt more a part of the group and that their opinion mattered. 
And, and I found that I enjoyed that side of it. So, you know, coming into player development, it was, it was kind of an easier transition. Obviously, I mentioned the flights and, and figuring out all my travel itinerary on my own. That wasn't so easy. But talking and communicating with the young guys has, has kind of come natural to me. So I've enjoyed that. And, and moving forward, I'm not sure. I, I never really was, how do I want to say it, sold on, on being in this role. I, I also thought maybe I wanted to be a coach. But the more I'm involved with this and, and working with Bomber and working under Billy Guerin and, and his leadership, I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. So that's kind of where my mind is at. Yep. And I know you're uh, you're too humble to say it, but if you just uh, Google Connor McDavid and Matt Hendricks, you'll see uh, just how much appreciation uh, Connor McDavid had for Matt uh, during their time together in Edmonton and how much uh, Matt really helped take Connor under his wing. Uh, last question for you, and I can't believe it's taken so long to talk about it. Uh, Erica <laughs> wants to know about your paralyzer shootout move. Um, if you've taught it to any wild players and if you don't know, just go on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his paralyzer move. He was 11 for 18 in his shootout career. I just looked it up. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah it was. It, it worked out for a while. You know what, Roos? When, when they used to do a dry scrape before the shootout, the move was dynamite. And then they, <laughs> you know, they wanted to hurry things up a bit. So they stopped the dry scrape and the move stopped working. And I think it's because the goalie went slide side to side. He'd hit the ice and he would stick because the ice right. wasn't smooth. So. That hurt me a little bit in that regard, but in, in terms of uh, backstory on it, I actually learned it from Scott Bukestead, Wow. who is Nick Bukestead's uncle. So Scott was my high school, one of my high school coaches, him and Steve Larson coached me at Blaine High School. And I worked with Scott for four years there. And we worked on that move probably every day for four years. And I still never figured it out. <laughs> I went to college, I went to college and I still didn't figure it out. And I kept working on it. And then it dawned on me that I was always in a hurry as a player. I, I rushed everything. I did everything as fast as I could do it. And I found if I started making that fake, the, the fake shot just above that top hash mark, it usually gave me plenty of time to get around the goalie and get the puck up in the air. That was my problem. I used to get too close to the goalie and I couldn't raise it. Ah, yeah. So it took me a long time to, to, to figure it out exactly. But Scott Buke said is the guy that taught me how to do it. I wonder if Nick knows how to do the do the move. I'll have to ask him when he gets back into the lineup because uh Yeah, he's too tall. He probably yeah. couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for yeah. Nick. He um he was playing his best hockey of the season and then he got into the fight and now he's out. So hopefully he'll be back in the lineup soon. But uh but uh Yeah, he's been, been great for our group too. What a good what a good person, oh. great kid. Yeah. Really happy the thing. Obviously what he's going through right now, it's not uh, not exciting, but we're excited to get him back and healthy and, and ready to help us. Yep. They make him good in Blaine. You got, uh, you got Hendricks, you got Riley Tufty, uh, Nick Bukestead, got the great John Krasinski from the athletic as well. Oh, uh, what a great guy John is. Huh? Yeah. He, he's oh, not like, he wasn't on your high school team, was he? No, he was a few years uh, older than me, okay. but just a tremendous guy. I still remember him walking the halls at Blaine and he was always really nice to me and a good person. So that's awesome. I hear he's a good wide receiver at Blaine. He was a heck of a football player. There's no arguing that. That's awesome. Really good. 
Yeah. yeah. And now he's our hoop specialty, uh, the guy that makes the Athletic Minnesota tick. So, uh, hey, uh, I, I told you I'd keep you a half hour. And of course, I, caught, I, I, took, I kept you 50. So, Matt, I, I really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Um, you know, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I think Wild fans just eat up this stuff about, about prospects as well. And sometimes I just feel like I'm almost not equipped to, to write about it just because I don't see him as much as, as somebody like you or Bomber as well. So, you know, continue the great work. Thanks so much for, for uh, you know, helping really educate wild fans on a lot of these prospects and I think they have a much better appreciation of some of these guys and and uh, some of these players that hopefully one day we'll see in a wild uniform absolutely Roos. and you know I before we go I just want to say this this prospect pool is exciting um, Judd Brackett our director of amateur scouting and his staff continue to just do a phenomenal job finding these guys and doing their homework and their job is uh, extremely difficult, and yeah. they make they make it look easy to me somehow. And I don't I don't know how they do it, but they're doing a heck of a job. And extremely difficult in today's day and age, where you just don't you know these guys are not playing as much. It's hard to get viewings in person. Scouts most most scouts can't go to a lot of games as well. Aren't right. allowed in the building. So this is going to be uh, you know just an interesting draft. And Judd, uh, I know that uh, they were extremely excited about last year's draft pa- uh, draft class. And frankly, the two under Paul Fenton were outstanding as well. So oh no, we sure were. Yep. Thanks so much. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app and rate subscribe to Straight from the Source on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber, please go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and you can receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. Thanks, Maddie. You got it, Roos. Take care and thank you. 